1: Emil Elkast is a partner now at Lavelle Law Limited, where he leads the Family Law Practice Group. Uh, Emil has has been a contributor to this podcast series in the past, and today he returns so we can direct our attention back to family law. Uh, Hi again, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and uh, very pleased to have you with us for another edition here on our podcast series. As I mentioned, uh, today we're going to sort of take our attention back into matters of family law, which we've covered uh, several times in recent weeks. A new topic for us today is alienation of affection. We'll talk about its relevance in divorce proceedings, and Emil, who has handled uh, many similar cases, is going to be able to share some experience with us. So first, it's been a while since we've chatted, Emil, so I appreciate you taking time. It's nice to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, it's it's always good, and it's always tough, though, sometimes because these are sensitive and emotional topics and, and ones that uh, I'm sure you deal with all too often, but it, it does come with the territory. Um, alienation of affection is a fair, fairly innocuous term, but by definition, I guess it really covers some significant behavior. So from a legal sense, when we say alienation of affection, really what sort of things are we talking about?
0: Yeah, alienation of affection is is sort of an I guess i want to say antiquated law. Um it's still a valid law, still there's still a statute in Illinois and many other states. What alienation of affection is, uh it usually comes about in, or, or, excuse me, it always comes about when there is uh infidelity involved in a in, in a divorce proceeding. It, it usually comes out in a divorce proceeding where one spouse is having an affair or has a girlfriend or boyfriend um, during the pendency of a divorce. And if if and when that occurs, the, the spouse, the, I guess I'm going to call them the innocent spouse, uh, has a cause of action that can file a legitimate, real civil lawsuit against the boyfriend or girlfriend of the spouse that they're divorcing.
1: Interesting. Okay. Now, when we've talked about divorce in the past, we know that finances can be an issue. We know that incompatibility, so many other things can lead to a divorce. Is this something that you have seen on a fairly regular basis?
0: Uh, yes. It comes off quite often when it's been exposed that one party has this other relationship with this other person outside the marriage. And you know, based on more emotional reasons, the innocent spouse will... To either drag this other person into the divorce itself, which they can do, um, or file a separate lawsuit, something completely separate from the divorce, wherein the defendant in that case is not the spouse, it's the the paramour, the boyfriend, the girlfriend that has um, you know started this new relationship with the ex-spouse, and so what they can do is. Um, You can win money damages, so you can be successful just like any other civil lawsuit um, if if you can prove certain elements. Um, and It's it's a pretty tough hill to climb to meet the burden. There are three elements that we can discuss, uh, but if if the innocent spouse can prove all three, um, they're entitled to, to money damages from the girlfriend or boyfriend.
1: Interesting. Yeah, and uh, and um, I, I think uh, one of the things that that would come to mind immediately, as you just mentioned, is you know being able to prove this. I'm sure that uh, you know suspicion can run rampant in, in many situations, but what exactly does the court need to see to to file, you know to support a claim like this?
0: So, in a divorce proceeding, when you have a, in a situation like this where there's infidelity, you can recover the costs from your spouse on any expenditures that they've made on this boyfriend or girlfriend, like, for example, if they spent money on hotel rooms, gifts, vacations, things like that, that that requires to be reimbursed back to the marital estate. This is something completely different. You're actually suing this other person uh, for money damages, and the first element that you have to prove is that your spouse was, in fact, still in love with you when this relationship occurred. And that's usually the toughest burden to meet, is to show that Spouse's actions or affections towards this other person weren't done voluntarily. That this person just came in and swooped in into this loving relationship and stole your spouse from you. Um, and that's a pretty tough burden to meet, uh, mm-hmm. but it's not impossible, and people have done it. You know, but that's step one. Step two then is to show that the the, the, the reason this person fell in love with you is because of these actions by this paramour. That this person had intent, that this person intended to steal this person away from your spouse. Um, And not, you you know, most relationships sometimes occur where the person doesn't even know this other person is married. Uh, But if you can show that, number one, your husband still loves you, and number two, that this person, maliciously or, or intentionally, sought out to steal him from you, then you've met your burden. Then the last thing is, the third element is proving that you've. Been damaged in some way financially that you've had to hire an investigator that, you know, this person spent money on gifts and things like that. Um, so that damage is probably the easiest part out of all three of these elements. But I, my personal opinion is element number one, proving that your spouse was basically still in love with you at the time. And that's a pretty subjective test. And mm-hmm. in some cases, you can prove that easily. Uh, the cases I found where people have been successful is when the person the cheating spouse sort of um, feels guilty and he wants to rekindle or reconcile with their spouse and therefore will work with the spouse to kind of get rid of this other person, this other you know, boyfriend or girlfriend out of the picture and, you know, basically work with their own spouse to to, to, to prove element number one.
1: Yeah. Now, as you go back through those three, I just wanted to take a look at the third one, which was, you know, proving proving damages. And you referenced specifically uh, financial damage—that that, that uh, you know the the husband or wife had spent money specifically on the outside party, and that was money that belonged to the to the family, to the marriage. Um, is emotional damage at all a factor in this, or is it purely a financial aspect?
0: Uh- No. Emotional damage, any sort of emotional distress, anything like that. Um, So if a person was so traumatized by this that they had to go see a therapist, for example, um, Mm -hmm. that doesn't count. You know, it's actual money lost as a result of your spouse being taken from you. And again, this is an integrated law where, uh, you know, years past, the spouse was treated as property of the other party. It was usually, you know, the, the wife was usually deemed the Property of the husband, and when somebody stole the wife from the husband, um, you know, the legislator thought that it was fitting that if somebody steals your property, then you should be able to get some recourse from that, and, and that's why they've enacted this law. It, it, uh, it, does it? Do people still file these types of lawsuits? They do. It, it's not common anymore. Um, the main purpose typically is just to. I don't want to say harass, but it's a way to sort of get back at this other person. It's more of a tactic to, to follow a lawsuit to make it more difficult than a divorce proceeding or to expose somebody or to embarrass. Um, you know, those are the phone calls I get is, mm-hmm. you know, I want to embarrass my husband, and my family, how do we do this? And, you know, this is in, people know about alienation of affection. People do their research on Google or, or whatever and, and know that there's, there are laws out there that, pertains to the situation, and and most people want to seek those, too.
1: Very interesting. Um, As as Emil mentioned here, alienation of affection uh, in a marriage is is our topic for today. Uh, Emil Alcass, one of the uh, partners at Lavelle Law, is kind of sharing the information with us and always uh, appreciate when he comes by. He's, uh, He's obviously responsible for the family law practice group at Lavelle Law, and they do a terrific job. Uh, to get more information about Emil or that area of the law, you can visit LavelleLaw.com. There is a list of practice groups at the top of the page there, and just find Family Law, and that should get you everything you need from there. Eight four seven seven zero five seven five 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 is the number for Lavelle Law, and uh, you can always call and, and reach Emil or any of the other attorneys there. Um, let's take a look at the other side of this, Emil. Is there a defense that um, someone who is has this suit brought against them, can can rely on, what? what is their approach? Yes,
0: yeah, so the most common defense is uh, showing that, that there was no taking, so to speak, that the other person, the spouse that cheated, did that voluntarily, that they're the ones that voluntarily made this decision to, you know, begin this relationship with the girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, and then that's the most common defense, and that's usually the, the the toughest burden for the person, the plaintiff, the person suing for alienation of affection, um, and that's why I talked about meeting step one or that first element of proving that there was an actual loving relationship between husband and wife, that this other person came in and swooped, you know, one of the spouses mm-hmm. off their feet and just took their relationship and their love from their spouse and directed it towards themselves. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the spouse that cheated. Uh, if if the, the most elementary, the most basic defense, and it's very successful, is that they enacted on this voluntarily, that there was no coercion or any sort of other influences that caused this, other than them just voluntarily moving on from one relationship to another.
1: And just to clarify, we've got a couple minutes left because this, this really is very interesting. Um, the the lawsuit that we're referring to would, would be filed by the uh, spouse who has been harmed in the relationship against the, the outside, the third-party um, person. If there is a judgment or a finding for them, if if they are successful in this case, does that then at all influence a separate divorce proceeding? I mean, can, can this be found and used as um, some sort of uh, contribution to a claim of divorce then once that happens?
0: Um, it could be. You know, typically, these are um, filed during the of a divorce. Uh, okay. those, that's the most common way I've seen them done. Um, some don't. You know, in the cases where the parties have reconciled and there isn't a divorce proceeding, but there's still this desire to go after the the, the paramour. Um, you know, they, you have those connections. But again, the judgment, if if the plaintiff is Successful and they're awarded a judgment for for the actual money damages that they've incurred as a result of this. It would be against the paramour only. So, um, you know, the, the the husband, the cheating husband or cheating wife, would not be named as a defendant. It, it's simply uh, the innocent spouse or the spouse that's been harmed. That, that's the plaintiff. and The defendant is always this other other person, this, this
1: paramour and is the amount then does that is that specific to something that they can prove as you mentioned uh you know trips gifts jewelry whatever it might be there's there's sort of a record on credit cards or things that are found elsewhere and if it's uh you know uh $5000 that has been spent that that's what the judgment would be or is there some other template that a Correct. judge might use
0: No, so there aren't any, like, damages for punishing the person, so there aren't any punitive damages. It's actual damages lost. So, yes, the the money that the $5,000 withdrawal from the bank that was used to purchase a ring, that would be recovered um, if the spouse had to hire a private investigator to follow the couple for months and months just to get evidence that's also recoverable. But uh, emotional damages are not recoverable and, and punitive damages, and those are damages that are... Uh, Cause to sort of deter somebody From doing a bad act or punishing them Those are not allowed either
1: Okay uh, well, very informative, um, and we've we've sort of grabbed Emil here uh, in in between uh, stops for him today. So we're going to let him go. Thanks very much to Emil Alcatz for being here and sharing the information with us today. It's always good when uh, Emil stops by because we get some great conversation. And uh, well, the, the thing I like is we always learn a little bit about uh, different aspect of the law. So uh, thanks to him for being here with us today. Again, LavelleLaw.com, great place to go to get information. Uh, on any of your legal needs, including those in the family law realm. Uh, and, uh, of course, blogtalkradio.com right here. This is where you'll find our past podcasts along with com and iTunes. Uh, plenty there for you to listen to. We're available every Tuesday at 4 o'clock Central for a live conversation, and then everything gets archived on one of those three sites. So we hope you'll take a chance and listen on uh, any number of occasions. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at